your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Thomas Welch. And I'm Josh Hyman. We got a fun episode for you today. The Jack Eichel sweepstakes finally comes to a close as he goes to the Vegas Golden Knights. So obviously, you got to talk about that. At the start of the episode, uh, the Blues lost in very disappointing fashion to the Los Angeles Kings last night. Stayed up probably until 12.30 and ruined my work day today. <laughs> it ruined my morale. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to preview tonight's game against a pretty hot start to the season for the San Jose Sharks. So it should be a good test for the Blues to bounce back. But before we talk about all those things, I want to thank you guys again uh, for making us your first listen of the day. If you're waking up with us in the morning on your commute to work, on your commute to school, uh, with your fresh cup of coffee, whether it might, whatever it might be, uh, we appreciate you guys very much. So without further ado, Elliot Friedman, 6 a.m. today, woke me up with a tweet that said, Jack Eichel goes with a third rounder for Peyton Krebs, Alice Tuck, and a first in 2022 and a second in 2023. Jack Eichel is a Vegas Golden Knight. Josh, what were your immediate knee-jerk reactions uh, to the end of the Jack Eichel saga? Well, my immediate reaction, which Greg kindly so pointed out in chat, was I cannot wait to serve you your big uh, hot steaming Super Bowl of I told you so. Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Obviously, um, even by the end of the podcast, there was a little bit in me was like, wait, maybe they will pull off a three team trade. You still cut maybe, out the middleman. Right, right. Maybe they will. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Jack Eichel and Matthew Kachuk will both end up on the blues throughout all of this. Yeah, that'll happen. Um, no. So it is it, honestly my initial first knee-jerk reaction was darn it that one tweet that i saw that mentioned the blues going after jack eichel wasn't true uh but then my second reaction was that's it and i think that's sort of because of the matthew kachuk thing which was proven to be completely false matthew kachuk was never part of a package which means that maybe it was a little bit of a, a diversion tactic from uh i think honestly it might have been the sabers trying to bring the price up not the flames because um, Monahan's name was thrown around too is crazy. Right, right. So the fact that I think they get they also didn't get this return back and it looks so much more underwhelming compared to the one that everyone had themselves convinced was going to be the return. Um in, you know, Kachuk, three firsts, uh the rights to the franchise, the arena, and the secondary Zamboni. Um when it turned out to be only Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a first and a second, which is still, I think, a really good return considering the circumstances. Um, I don't know. I I think Vegas looks a lot better now. Um, Their center depth was non-existent before this trade, and now not only do they have a center, they have a franchise center, something that I think is the most important thing to have on a hockey team. Um, but from the Sabres' perspective, they now have someone, like, like I was talking about with Kachuk, someone to sort of show that you at least got something. Alex Tuck is a great player, uh, playing for his hometown team, wearing his potential favorite player's number. He's going to have all the motivation. He's someone who wants to be there, which for the Sabres is a little hard to come by. Um, so I, I think both sides came out of this with a win. 
uh, as much as they could have given the circumstances. Obviously, Vegas getting a guy like Eichel, it's hard to lose. Um, and honestly, Buffalo trading a guy like Eichel, it was hard to win. But uh, they did the best they could, I think, given the circumstances. But um, I'm not looking forward to playing Vegas and also having to worry about Jack Eichel on top of Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, Max Pacioretty, who, wh- whichever no-name expansion draft players deciding to play like a 40-goal scorer that given night for them. They're going to be a handful to deal with. I have a lot of things running through my mind right now, so I'm going to try to straighten all of them out in a line for you. First of all, I think if we're going to compare this to a football scenario, I feel like the Vegas Golden Knights are really similar uh, to the Los Angeles Rams, honestly. Not the St. Louis Rams because uh, they – they loved to tank while they were here to try and get to LA. But the second they were in LA, traded for the number one overall pick in Jared Goff, traded for Sammy Watkins, I believe. Brandon Cooks was in there. Um, they got they just got Von Miller. They got Jalen Ramsey. So I feel like they're doing everything they can to win now. I think Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, obviously they had they've had four first round picks, I believe, in their franchise history, and they're all gone now because they traded them uh, for players that can help them win immediately. And I think the roster that they put together uh, with, like you said, Alex Petrangelo, Stone, I do think Chandler Stevenson uh, is a little bit underrated. I don't think he's a number one center, and that's why they went out and got Jack Eichel. No, but he'll but probably think- he'll probably look even better now that he's not being forced to play above his role. He's probably a fringe second liner and a solid third liner. So yeah, like you said, you move him down, he looks a lot better than a first liner. So uh, Vegas is going to be dangerous. And I think like you were talking about, that number one center is so important. And not only is it so important, I think it was the only thing holding them back from going all the way to the Stanley Cup uh, and winning a Stanley Cup potentially. So I, I think I talked about Vegas being... Uh, I think my prediction at the beginning of the season was the Vegas Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup, and I'm feeling pretty good about it right now, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. and um, Brendan brings up a good point in chat. What's the salary cap like in Vegas now? I believe I saw some tweet where they have like $71 million committed to 11 players, which is like means they have like $10 million left to sign 50 50 guys to fill out the rest of the NHL and AHL roster. Obviously that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but um, getting a little testy. And I love that they interviewed uh, the GM Kelly McCrin. I don't remember his last name. Kelly, my, my guy, Kelly, uh, they interviewed him. And he basically said, Oh, if, if, and when the salary cap becomes a problem, I'll deal with it then. That's like me looking at a 10 page essay I have due on Sunday today and being like, if, and when that essay becomes a problem, I'll worry about it. It's like, like Doug Armstrong yeah. and the Oscar Sundquist scenario on a much bigger scale. Yeah, yeah. He's basically saying, like, that's a future Kelly problem right now. We are stacking it up. But um, definitely a Vegas-style play going all in uh, early on in their franchise because this could absolutely blow up in their faces if they don't have success. And then a couple of years from now, they're looking at um, some difficult salary caps decisions and no – prospect depth but i don't think that's what's going to happen just given their ruthlessness and willingness to trade anyone and everyone to re retool their team i think whenever they need to move cap space they're just going to trade their best player for another really good player because that's all they've been doing and it's been working here's something also to kind of keep in mind here obviously there was a huge uproar uh last year with the stanley cup team because a little bit of cap issues right um, the timetable for Jack Eichel's return, 
I think it's like three or four months, maybe five months, something like that. But it lines up perfectly with uh, the start of the NHL playoffs. So I if you guys you wanted to remember, to the Olympics, remember correctly. Though. So I don't think that's going to happen. That's just wishful thinking. I saw a tweet that said the playoffs. So I don't. How like, convenient! If he lines up perfectly for the, for the playoffs, and he comes back, and oh, oh, what a coincidence! The the cap doesn't matter anymore, and he can play. I feel like if that happens two years in a row, and they go on to win the Stanley Cup, I, the league has to do. They got to step in at some point, right? Can you imagine? Oh, two, two, three fake Stanley Cups in a row. Because first you had the Mickey Mouse Cup, and then you had the. So technically, the Blues are still reigning Stanley Cup champions, right? Okay. Yeah, that's what we're getting. That at. that is the 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 moral of today's podcast is if and when the Vegas Golden Knights cheat the salary cap and win the Stanley Cup this year, the St. Louis Blues will continue their reign from just a few seasons ago when they won the last of the official Stanley Cups. So if you want to bet on the Vegas Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup, or if you want to bet on the St. Louis Blues to win the Stanley Cup, you got to go to our friends over at Bet Online because they're back and better than ever with a new web inter- interface to start the basketball season and continue the NHL season. There are more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. And of course, like I said, NHL. So head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason to the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, a little bit of Texas Hold'em maybe. Uh, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports at Bet Online, where the game starts. When we come back, we're going to recap St. Louis Blues uh, demoralizing. I don't, maybe that's a little bit too strong. Agonizing for me, agonizing loss uh, against the Los Angeles Kings. Third period was not good. We're going to break it all down here, so don't go anywhere. Oh, God. All right, Josh. So I wanted to push it off as long as possible, but uh, the Blues played on prime time. You got TNT, which, by the way, round of applause for TNT because I think this is the best. This is the best hockey has ever looked. Uh, even with ESPN, like ESPN's fun, but TNT is doing just an insane job right now. And I think it's because they're taking a lot of aspects of what makes them so successful in basketball and bringing it into. Yeah, the NHL sphere. I mean, Biz is tearing it up there. Everybody looks like they're doing their part to not only make it informative and statistics and bringing out like actual analytics. Kind of, and, and NBC did a good job of that, but they were so vanilla and they were so dry. And it doesn't feel like TNT is ever dry. I mean, you got, they they've had a birthday cake on for the dude. So I they always keep it entertaining. I feel like the biggest aspect is t- the way that they approach basketball it's a it's a package right you're not just sitting down to watch 48 minutes of basketball you're sitting down to watch 48 minutes of basketball and then the 30 minute pregame show and the 15 minute halftime show it, it, there's there's aspects other than the sport itself to get people to watch and NBC never really had that for hockey but this year I don't find myself flipping the channel during intermission or or being like, oh, 709, 
game was supposed to start at seven, I guess I'll tune into the Blues. I'm watching the pregames. I'm watching the intermission shows because I want to see if they pull some shenanigans like putting Charles Barkley in goalie gear again. That was hilarious. That was great. And I feel like I finally have a reason to watch hockey other than just hockey, which sounds a little redundant, but I think that's important because that's how you get people who have maybe never even watched the sport before or have just watched it casually. They're flipping through channels. All of a sudden they land on TNT and they see Charles Barkley in goalie gear. They're like, huh, maybe this hockey thing's kind of cool. And the next thing you know, they, they watch a few minutes of it and they're hooked. So it's great for this sport. Um, and it was so much fun to watch the Blues on TNT. The The game itself was honestly probably the worst part <laughs> of that whole Yeah, and that's that's a lot to say, too, because I feel like maybe not the second half of the second period, but I feel like for the most part, the first two periods, the Blues were playing out of their mind. And obviously, Jonathan Quick is an absurd goalie, uh, and he's got every resume you would want as your starter in net. But I thought the Blues were playing fantastic in terms of possession, which is their game. I mean, they kind of play like Barcelona at their best. Like they just, it's just keep away all day and then they grind you down, wear you down. Next thing you know, you got, you're looking at a three goal deficit and you can't crawl out of it. But Jonathan Quick kept them in the game. Uh, felt like once the third period hit, they just looked like a completely different team. Like I think Biz was talking about it on the broadcast. Like the first two periods, the Kings could not win a puck battle to save their life. And like every time they try to get in the zone, uh, the Blues defense would just cycle it back out and get another rush and possession and like dump and change and sustain pressure in their in their offensive zone. And as soon as the third period hit, it was like it just completely flipped on its head and the Blues looked gas. I don't know if it was jet lag or what, but it, it just looked like a completely different team. Next thing you know, it's two to one. Blues got to try to crawl back. Got a last second goal, which was awesome by Tory Krug. But then shots were eight nothing in OT in the shootout. I mean, shootouts are always a toss-up. And would I have liked to see Benner play a little bit better in the shootout? Yes. Am I concerned about him in the shootout? No. He's shown time and time again. And we don't even get to the shootout without Bennington. So it was a lot to take away from there. But at the end of the day, you got to finish out games. We always talk about that with this Blues team. You got to play a full three periods, a full 60. Uh, and unfortunately for them and unfortunately for everyone that stayed up to watch the entire thing, uh, they did not. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I, I do want to point out the fa- the simple fact that one tiny little bounce goes differently in either overtime or the shootout, and the entire tone of this conversation is different. You know, it, it, it's one point different in the standings, and every positive aspect from the, you know, the game that, the part of the game that matters, aka the you know, the 60 minutes of five on five hockey, and maybe you could argue three on three. Um, that is still what we're, you know, sort of taking away. Um, obviously, the loss is unfortunate, but if it was a win, we'd be looking at this from a little bit more of a positive um, outlook. And I think the positives you can take out of this were the Blues continue to find the, a way to stay in games, games that they don't deserve to win. What was the one common theme of that cup run? that we talked about even before we had this podcast, I can just think of conversations that you and I had as blues fans saying, man, the blues are sure winning a a bunch of games. They don't deserve to win. Now they didn't win last night, but they They didn't deserve a point. They sure as heck did not deserve a point and they got one. So as much as, as much as the loss is unfortunate, the fact that they looked as bad as they did in the third period and didn't lose like five to one, uh, it is is impressive in its own right. Um, 
JTAP says Krug has been great. Tory Krug had his best game as a member of the St. Louis Blues last night. Without a doubt. He looked like the best player on the ice at times, which is more than I could have expected out of him, even when I he was... He looked like Stanley Cup, Tory Krug. He looked and like Stanley Cup. so much yep. before he came to the Blues. Yep, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and Brandon... Brandon so Schlechter. Sorry. Yeah, Schlechter. I'm going to stop. Yeah. I'm going to stop trying. I'm going to keep butchering it. Uh, says Brandon's a, a good guy. Saves, I love Brandon. But not one in the shootout. That's okay. Robin Lehner has like zero career shootout saves in his life. And he's still a that really good goaltender. It, is it a little concerning? I will also say, I think I think the point that I want to make about his shootout too is, if you remember in the Stanley Cup run, right? One of the stats that I love bringing out about Binner is, and why he was so impressive is uh, it felt like he had ice in his veins and he wasn't nervous, obviously, right? His save percentage in shootout games in that Stanley Cup run was like 800, which is ridiculous for a shootout. And he also won the beat the streak at the all-star game and he beat out Vasilevsky for that. So that's, and it's the all-star game, but nobody's going to go up there and just like not try to score. You know, you want to make a spectacle. So there's times when Bennington looks like he's unbeatable and that this goes for his five on five, his power play and his shootouts too. There's time where it looks like no one can score on him. And there's times, especially against Vancouver, it looks like everyone can score on him. Uh, So it just kind of, it just kind of depends on, uh, what binner you get that night and you'd love to say like oh he's gonna flatten out and be more consistent um but they talked about this on the pro on the broadcast too is like if bennington struggles or bennington needs some more rest uh, you're gonna turn to Billy huso and obviously Billy huso played a fantastic game in his first start this season he had a shutout if i remember right uh, but we haven't seen him since then. He's in COVID protocol right now we might see ho for tonight i still don't know the update on that oh i haven't checked the tweets and uh, since we started the pod. So it, it might be out now, but I, I think that is a big point of emphasis of uh, some of these playoffs teams. They don't just have one goalie that they can ride through the whole thing, even though some of them do a lot of times. And with the blues, it was the same thing. You had Jake Allen and Bennington and they, they felt comfortable with both of those guys down the stretch. And that was a reason that they were so successful. So maybe before the trade deadline, the blues look into the goalie market. Maybe they look in the into the defenseman market, although the defensemen look great. And as chat was talking about, Tory Krug looks like an absolute world beater. So I don't know. All I know is I hope I don't see another period like that third period for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, I agree. I think, I don't know. I think you need games like that to grow as a team, you know, because when it's a playoff game, and you're coming out of a second period, and you're looking like a dominant team, but it's still a close game, you can say, hey, remember week two, week three in LA when we had that lead and it looked just like this and the wheels fell off and we lost in the shootout? Don't do that right now. It's it's part of the it's part of the growing pains of a of a hockey season, and they're inevitable. Every single team, the Tampa Bay Lightning did probably did that exact same thing multiple times last year. It's it's part of the process and they did the, it for a full series against the Blue Jackets. Right. Exactly. And the fact that the growing pains the Blues are having this year are kind of so few and far between and are as easy to digest as oh darn we almost won in a shootout. It's a good sign so far. It, obviously I wish they were 8 and 0 right now and still blowing the blowing teams out of the water. But the fact that these are the problems we have to deal with early are a good sign for this team. 
And here's the problem that I'm going to look at tonight because uh, Jeremy Rutherford, I think, was tweeting about it a couple times last night. Uh, I think dating back to the Colorado game, so the last two games for the St. Louis Blues, they've scored zero goals at five on five and two goals on the power play. So obviously, I mean, we scored, what, five seconds into the power play against the Kings. So the power play looks like it's firing on all cylinders. The penalty kill looks amazing. The additions of Buchnevich and Saad have been top tier. Biddington's doing his thing in net. You're going to hold it down from every facet on special teams. But one of the biggest things that was drilled home for this team and one of the reasons that I feel like they won the Stanley Cup because Boston, by every regard, had a much better power play in that series um, than the St. Louis Blues. But the Blues stayed out of the box. They stayed disciplined. Uh, and that was kind of in, – in games where they didn't stay out of the box, it was not even close. The Bruins blew them out of the water, and it's because of that special teams. So for the team right now to kind of be struggling at five-on-five, five, I think it's good to be struggling this early on. But it is it is curious that of all things for this team to struggle on, it's one of the things that they've been so good at for so long. Yeah, um, but I think that the flip side of that is it goes back to something that I've been um, – echoing a lot throughout the past few episodes and it's that at certain points throughout a season different elements of your team are going to be going or they're not going to be going sometimes you're going to look like the best team ever five on five and then all of a sudden the power play starts and you can't do anything with it we've seen that out of the blues time and time again some days your offense is going to look unbeatable and your defense is going to look like they look like a bunch of traffic comes out there and then all of a sudden the next day you got six defenders that that look like Eric Carlson in his prime and a forward core that couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. It's going to, it's going to shift so much. Um, and five on five play is something that's been very volatile for the blues in the past um, and is volatile for every team. So like, I think like you said, it's, there are going to be times when the five on five struggles um, and they have to hopefully have a good enough power play to bounce back from that. And they have so far. Um, but also, I think, like you said, five on five has been the most consistent part of uh, the Blues' success. So the fact that when it inevitably does go cold, they're still able to hang in games is good. Because if your best fe- if your best feature is playing as poorly as they are in the past two games, and they didn't lose five to one in both of those games, what's it going to look like when the five five v five play starts to get better? That's a good point, Josh. That's a very good point. So it, it feels like we're kind of building up. Uh, right now to everyone's favorite segment. So when we come back from a word from our sponsors, we are going to take our picks for tonight's Locked On Players of the Game against the San Jose Sharks. I think the Sharks have a lot of people out with COVID, uh, so it should be an interesting game because the Blues are missing their captain. But like I said, word from our sponsors, don't go anywhere. All right, Josh, first back-to-back of the season. The Blues play San Jose Sharks tonight. little West Coast action, little West Coast road trip. Uh, hopefully they don't have that third period like they did against the Kings. They close this one out a little more commanding fashion. I think the way that this team is built right now, uh, there's not a doubt in my mind that they're going to. So if you had to pick one player from the St. Louis Blues lineup tonight for your locked-on player of the game against the San Jose Sharks, who would it be and why? Part of me wants to like give like the most annoying answer ever and be like, my pick for the locked on player of the game is the whole team. And part of the reason I say, okay, no, but hear me out, hear me out. 
Part of the reason I say that is everyone, <laughs> even the fans. <laughs> no, but um, oh, just saw something else that said Hofer was starting, so maybe Hofer will start. Who knows? Um, but ever since the hand pass game, there has been no team that the Blues have looked better against than the San Jose Sharks, and that's why I'm excited. I don't. I used to have this the a running stat counter of the Blues statistics every time they played against the Sharks since the hand pass game, but they're like nine and one and like outscoring them twenty five to six. So I'm expecting the Blues to look really, really strong tonight. Um, they really like to beat up on the Sharks, but they also match up against them um, as well. And it said it's Hofer, according to lineups on NHL. Uh, Brandon yeah. says Krug as a lockdown player of the game. I'll, t- I'll do a 1A and a 1B. I'm going to go Krug as sort of the more obvious pick. Um, I think that last game could be the start of his campaign as the offensive defenseman this team has been missing for a very long time, and he could go on an absolute run, and I would love to see him continue that tonight. But if Joel Hofer is starting tonight, then it is absolutely without a doubt Joel Hofer as my lockdown player of the game. I talked about it a lot with Billy Huso in the sense that um, the way that the team has confidence in their goaltender is going to determine a lot about how they're going to play in front of him and how confident the goalie is going to be. It's it's sort of a vicious cycle. When Billy Huso was letting in early shots early in games the team would play more poorly in front of him and then he would let in more goals and it's a whole it's a whole cycle so if Joel Hofer can come out and establish himself as a third competent goal goalie in this Blues organization at the NHL level then who knows the confidence that this team would play with um so I, I think I think anyone's a good answer um I think we should start. I think we should start keeping keeping track. Like we should keep track of the, the players that we pick and the the accolades. Their stat that lines, write. yeah, their stat something. lines. That'd be pretty okay. cool. I'm with that. We could have like a point system for like if they get like first star, second star, third star. Yeah, tonight I have the whole team. So good luck. So my locked on player of the game. Here's what I'm going with. All right, I think it's still kind of up in the air. I I think if NHL app has Hofer starting. And from what I know with Craig Berube and just watching him as a coach, I feel like there's not a better way to kind of give this team a kick in the pants than to say, hey, you guys just screwed up in front of Bennington. You had the lead. You lost it. You hung him out to dry, essentially, even though he tried everything he could uh, to keep the game uh, from going the King's way. It didn't. And we crawled back but didn't get him the win. So he's getting the night off. We're sending in a young guy so that you guys have to hold yourselves accountable defensively and have to provide uh, some offense in the offensive zone uh, and give him some goal support. So I think Hofer is going to start. And I think for that reason, <clears throat> one of the one of the guys on the team that's been pretty vocal about like his progression on the St. Louis Blues, uh, his first season here, was pretty rough and he he'll be the first one to tell you that but he's slowly but surely kind of molded himself into an offensive threat and a physical body in the defensive zone Uh, he's clearing the crease he's hitting people he's staying defensively sound and as much as I would love to say that Colton Pareko is the clear-cut divide for the next number one defenseman for the St. Louis Blues. I think Justin Falk might be giving him a run for his money. So for that reason, because of the leadership that he kind of, that aura of leadership that he has around him, I think if anyone's going to step it up in front of a goalie making his NHL debut, 
Defensively, it's going to be Justin Falk, so I'm going to pick him as my locked-on player of the game. There are a group of guys where you know what you're getting every single night out of them, and that's why they're, I guess you could say, uh, a safe pick for locked-on player of the game. You know, the Ryan O'Reilly's of the world, the even the even the Jordan Bennington's of the world. But what's more impressive is there are, there are some guys that have taken themselves from a dark horse and turned into, oh, every single night, this guy's going to be a stud. And Justin Falk has turned into one of those guys where he's sort of sort of the the, the number that you, every time you see number seventy two on the ice, you're like, oh, ooh, something something fun might happen now. Um, and he's slowly sort of establishing himself, like you said, as a core piece for this team. Um, and and for that reason, I think that's a great pick. I'm really really excited to see him and Crew continue to become more comfortable because if those two can reach um, a tier where they're elite, dangerous defensemen. This team is is terrifying. What else is terrifying is we're running out of time. So I want to thank everybody, JTAP, Brandon, uh, who else we got here? Greg. Everyone in the chat, I want to thank you. Yeah, Greg, thank you guys so much uh, for hopping into the YouTube. Uh, make sure you hop in next time if you want your questions read or your names read live on the podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Smash that follow or subscribe button on whatever, whatever platform you're currently listening to. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube and hit that bell. That way you get a notification every time we go live and you can hop in and ask your questions. Uh, follow me on Twitter at 12 15 Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Hyman. NHL, thank you so much for listening, and let's go Blues.